Welcome back to a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. This is a post-game edition. I'm your host, Nick Cosmiter, Broncos beat reporter for The Athletic, joined by my bro, Matt Cosmiter, um, who's uh, producing this and joining us for a little um, little late-night commentary after the Broncos win their fourth straight game, this one on Sunday Night Football, a 21-20 victory over the Minnesota Vikings that has brought Denver all the way back to 500 following their 1-5 start. And they did this with a somewhat similar form formula. Denver forces three more turnovers tonight, bringing their total over the last three games to 12 takeaways. Denver did not turn the ball over, giving them a 3-0 turnover margin. Uh, teams that have had that margin this season are now 30-3. and three. But despite that, despite having that edge in, in such a key category, um, the Broncos looked like they were not going to be able to use that enough to their advantage to win this game because they were 2 of 12 on third down. They were uh, 0 of their first four in the red zone and did not cross the goal line until there was 63 seconds left in this game. Um, it's just sort of the way that the game was. It's sort of the way that the, this Broncos team has done it. They've just figured out a way, Matt, to do just enough. That has been that has sort of been the formula. Um, you know, give up yards on the ground like they gave up 85 rushing yards in the first half tonight. Um, go through batches where you can't move the ball whatsoever as they did when they had back-to-back three and outs to begin the third quarter. Um, we've seen some of this before, but at the end of the day, Russell Wilson gets the ball back with his team down five, three minutes, 17 seconds to go on his own 25-yard line. Broncos proceed, Matt, to go on a 10-play, 75-yard drive that ends in a 15-yard touchdown pass to who else? Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, Matt, that's that's been the story as this team has gone on this special run or what could be a special run. Um, they just do enough. I think that's the, that's the easiest way, the, probably the most accurate way to describe where the Broncos are right now. Kind of reminiscent of the Pittsburgh Steelers. These are teams that like the, the recipe for their success isn't, you know, they're going to come and run a track team down the field and score a bunch of touchdowns. It's keep the game close. And then in the fourth quarter, find the magic to win every season. There's a couple of these teams that talk, we talked about it last week where you get to the fourth quarter and you just find a way. And the def- the second the secondary in particular um, for this defense, but then also the front the front seven stopping the run in the fourth quarter really stepped up and gave this offense an opportunity uh, to or more like seven opportunities, but they gave the they gave the offense enough opportunities to be able to f- finally cash in and and take advantage of it. And it's you know the the biggest thing the, the turning there with the defense I think is both the coverage but also the tackling. The, t- the tackling in the first three, two and a half quarters of this game by the defense was pretty atrocious. Um, but by the second half of the third quarter, aspects. right. By the second half of the third quarter and into the fourth, they were finally tackling, stopping the run, coming up in coverage, making some tackles. And they, it was just enough. You know, they, the couple of takeaways in the second half really did it. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, the difference to, um, you know, it, it is Russell Wilson. It's crazy. You look at this final line. I mean, his, his line is excellent. He was 27 of 35, 259 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, a 106.7 passer rating, um, was only sacked twice um, among that, you know, that shape-shifting, will-they-won't-they blitz kind of Minnesota defense that can really keep offenses on their heels. And you thought, um, 
you know, given the problems that the Broncos have had in protection, that that would certainly be an issue. And at times it was it, it, early in the game. Um, you know, the, the Broncos really kind of struggled to sort of get their feel. And because they were not converting even short third downs, um, you know, that they, they weren't able to, to, to run the ball. They just, you, you know, if you don't, if you're not converting third downs, you're not getting um, the, your next set of downs. You're not getting the opportunity to continue drives and, and have enough plays to, to balance you out so that they had to throw the ball more. And, and, and the thing I was thinking for so much of this game, Matt, was like, we know what the formula is, right? They try to take care of the ball. I mean, that, that's that that's a priority even more so than I think a lot of teams, you know, view it as um, just the way that they've approached it, um, you know, that they're catering their offense in that way where you're just not taking some of those risks um, and and, you know, and then take it away on the other end, be stout in the red zone, all those sorts of things. But it seemed like that had a cap for much of this night because of the way that they were sort of unable to to move the ball. But. But sure enough, if you keep the game close and Russell Wilson, this was his 39th career game winning drive. I think that puts him eighth or ninth on the NFL's all time list. He still has that ability, um, you know, and and for all for all the problems that he had last year with, with what that offense was, the Broncos just have so much more, um, I think, preparedness for these late game situations. They have a much more cogent plan. Uh, in these situations, and they have a guy in in Wilson, but also Cortland Sutton, who just kind of feel inevitable at this point in terms of, you know, knowing that they're going to find a way. I mean, uh, I, I talked to Joe Lombardi, the, the Broncos offensive coordinator this week, and he likened their connection to, to jazz music, right? He says, obviously, that that form of music has a lot of improvisation, but it also has, um, you know, some loose rules. So even though it's these scramble drill situations at a, to a point, there's still sort of some structure in, in what they have to do. And, and Wilson and, and Sutton have figured that out this year in a way that it took them some time a year ago, Matt. But but Cortland Sutton has a touchdown in five straight games, every one of them in the red zone. Um, they just seem to be able to feel feel have a feel for one another that is, again, giving them just enough to, to, to get the score that they need um, late in the game like they did tonight. Yeah, and I mean, the, the touchdown late tonight is kind of the perfect example or the one last week against the Bills where Russ is under pressure. He's running. He doesn't have a lot of choice. There was a cover zero. They brought, I think, seven rushers on first down to try to to try to push them back. And Russ kind of just flung it up in the air <laughs> in the direction of Cortland Sutton, kind of like he did last week against the Bills. He threw it where Cortland Sutton was supposed to be and somehow expected that Sutton would be able to come up with it. And those kinds of contested catches over the last five, six weeks, Cortland is where Cortland Sutton has really started to kind of distance himself from the way that he was playing last year and the way even at the start of this year that he was playing going up. Like I think the dude's vertical had to be like five feet to get up in the air and get that, yeah. that ball tonight. Well, what was interesting too, Matt, was that like he, um, you know, watching that play back, he, he sort of, once the scramble comes, you know, he's kind of running a seam into the end zone. Once the scramble comes, he kind of goes to his left. And it's funny because he sees his defender on this play is, is, is uh, Makai Blackman, the cornerback for the Vikings, who's five foot 11 right. and, and Cortland Sutton, every bit of six foot four. Um, and so he didn't like, he got to a point where he wasn't even really trying to, he wasn't trying to go around Blackman or get to a corner or something and present himself in that way. He's essentially slowed down his route and almost kind of gave Russ the eyes of like, Hey, just throw it up, man. Like if there's ever a time to throw it up, it's me versus this five foot 11 guy who, I mean, 
barely was able to get any kind of content. I wrote my game story that'll publish in the morning. Like he easily brushed off the contact. It was, it was the contact from Jerry Judy afterwards who jumped on his <laughs> back and almost chokeholded him right. that he had to worry about, you know, the, you know, just the way that they came and celebrated. But um, yeah, I, I think that has become um, again, just something of a, I think the Broncos having stuff that they can hang their hat on like that. That's been, that's been what has been missing from this team from so long. And it's not that it's always going to show up perfectly. It's not that all of it's going to show up together at all times, but there's certain things that this team is doing that you can, that you've come to count on. And and some of it is, is individual players like Sutton improving. Um, you know, I, I, I watched tonight. I'm thinking sitting here watching like Zach Allen, you're, you're getting great pressure, great solid play from him every single week. Um, you know, you know, you're going to get locked down coverage from, from Pat Sertan, even though he had a big penalty tonight. Um, those are things you can count on. Another thing that you're, you're beginning to count on with this team is just good situational football. An another situation tonight, in which the offense had struggled um, for, for much of the first half, but they get this, they get this kind of long drive going um, right at the end of the first half. And, and they're able to get, get into range for Will Lutz to kick a 52 yard field goal, who is five of five tonight, by the way, continues what has been, a really great season for him. Um, and then at the end of the game, like they, they, they have this, they have this plan for their, for their two minute drill. And, and a lot of it is hinged on, Hey, we're getting this soft coverage two safeties over the top. Um, Russ, I'm just going to be completely okay with dumping the ball to Samaj P Ryan, letting him get seven yards. This guy had 47 yards on five touches on the final drive of the game. And most of that was the same stuff we saw in Buffalo, like soft coverage, be comfortable just dumping it underneath. Like there's a certain amount of like just letting go of your ego <laughs> as a quarterback to just be cool with that. And, and I think Russ deserves credit for that because again, take what's there, continue to move, but there's, there's no panic in them. They're, they're aware of how much time left that they were. They benefited by having all three timeouts and have to burn any earlier in the game Had all three timeouts plus the two minute warning. There was just, there was just no sense of like, panic in that team on, on that last drive um and then at the, and then the defense kind of had to do the same thing they, they were not they weren't not in um any kind of gimme situation after denver scored its touchdown yeah and kind of to touch on on what you're talking about with samaj p ryan he is one of those guys who came in and he's generally their third down back their kind of two minute drill running back he's in there for those kinds of situations had those a lot of receptions on that last drive narrowly missed losing a fumble on that final drive that would have been heartbreaking for the team, yeah. but they lucked out with that going out of bounds. But he also had a big block um, pickup on two of uh, Russell Wilson's pass completions on that drive. So I've been critical at times of Samaj P Ryan's blocking, but tonight on, especially particularly on that final drive, he hit, he got the pass or he had the receptions he needed. He had the blocking that he needed. He played really well. Thankfully, that fumble went out of bounds. He didn't end up being the go to this game. Um, but because those fumbles have been bouncing the right way for Denver over the last couple of weeks, they have a league high nine fumbles recovered this season and many of them in the last few games. And, you know, I think there were like two fumble or there were, you know, a couple fumbles tonight where the ball just comes out of the offensive player's hands right into a defender, you know, Jaquan McMillan, you know, he just ends up with the ball and saying like, oh, well, look, look at that. We're good to go. You know, so for the second game in a row on the first opening drive of the game, the Broncos recover a, a fumble, which is absolutely huge. Yeah, it, took, it took Jaquan McMillan three plays tonight to get a takeaway. Like, come on, yeah. man. Get, up, get with it. So 
<laughs> kind of talking about that play, though, one thing, I don't know if you caught it on the broadcast, um, but Terry McCauley pointed out, and I kind of agree that Kareem Jackson's hit on that play is was borderline. He, Terry McCauley thought that it should have been a, a 15-yard penalty, and he's the oh, Sunday yeah. Night Football Rules analyst. Kareem Jackson went helmet to helmet um, with Josh Dobbs. Very possible that, that he could be looking at another fine for that hit, potentially, if, you not know, if not a suspension. Right. So that and while it wasn't flagged on the play, I, I don't know if the NFL gets involved with potential ejections for players if the play isn't called on, or if the foul isn't called on the play. But well, they absolutely issue fines for plays right. that aren't called penalties. So that they they would the league would have latitude um, if he was fined again. And, and they, you know. It's not a hard and fast rule that says, "Hey, if you get suspended for a hit, and then you do another one of these, you'll you'll be suspended again." Um, but the the NFL already said in his first suspension that his past history played a role in it. Um, he he built those up. It's so it's again, it'll be interesting to see how the league handles this because yeah, it was it was close, but but I, I think did get the bottom of his helmet. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings coach, afterwards said that that he thought it was a helmet to helmet hit. Um, you know, interestingly, Baron Browning, I think did pull that ball out right before the hit happened. Um, yeah. but, but certainly I, I think that was, that's one that the league is going to look at and, and look, he, he just, he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, when you've had that many, and it was interesting because Kareem Jackson this week, we talked to him in the locker room and, and he essentially said, I'm not any more clear about like what I can and can't do. Um, you know, than I was before the suspension. He says he's had multiple phone conversations with John Runyon, who's who's one of the, um, you know, kind of the, 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 the discipline liaisons in the NFL office, um, you know, sort of helping players with, you know, understand he, he hears the appeals and things like that. Um, and he says they hang up those phone on those conversations and not be any more um, clear, but you know, look, it, we, we know what it is. It's like, you have to, you have to, to, to lower your target. I mean, Josh Dobbs is six foot three. There's a lot of him to hit. Um, even if he was kind of like bending down a little bit. Um, so and, again, and, just you put yourself in these situations on the third play of the game. And you can't initiate contact with the crown of your helmet. That's a big one. Like that, like it was helmet to helmet, but it was also the, the crown, the top portion of his helmet with his head lowered, you know, kind of like he's spearing into the defender. That's the kind of thing you have to lead with your shoulder pads, especially when a guy's already been contacted by somebody else. Yeah. Those kinds of like head hitting, like, Hard, hard shots are a remnant of the past in the NFL. There are times where you can get away with it, but it has to be those, you know, the, the shoulder pad into the chest, the, you know, the hard check shoulder to shoulder with your head way back kind of thing. You just, at this day and age, they are not allowing forcible contact with the crown of the helmet, especially up around the shoulder neck area. And that, you know, I'm not, we do not at all have any reason to think that that was an intentional trying to hurt somebody, but I mean, it does send Josh Dobbs then into the, to be evaluated for a concussion. He had to leave, or yeah, obviously he was leaving the game because of the fumble, but you know, he spent yeah, some time in the medical did, tent and those evaluated. are dangerous hits. Yeah. Yep. And it's, and it's after, I mean, I mean, Kareem Jackson has hit three guys that left games with concussions. And as you said, Dobbs got evaluated, like at the end of the day, like, you know, he can lament the, you know, the, the, the frustration of that, but it's, it's, it's not happening to, to every other player. Like it's, it's, you know, guys aren't knocking all kinds of guys out of a game and it's just, you know, part of it I think is because, you know, it, he's not getting to the ball as quickly as perhaps he used to. So you're, you're sort of resorting to some of these things. Um, and if man, if, if he is suspended, that's going to be tough because I, you know, BJ Locke, 
you know, he was, he was in an ankle boot after the game in, in Buffalo, obviously didn't play this week. I'd be surprised if he was ready to play against Cleveland on uh, this upcoming Sunday, typically ankle, if it's an ankle sprain, that that's going to be several weeks. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously keep an eye on that and see what happens with that. I wanted to talk about, um, you know, just some other f- funny circumstances in this game. Jerry Judy had, had two pretty hilarious plays in this game. Um, one was at the end of the first half, we, we mentioned the Broncos got in a range, were able to kick a 52 yard field goal. And one of Russell Wilson's only real head scratchers of this game kind of forces a deep throw to Judy and it's sort of double coverage um, and, and threw it way too deep. Uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who, uh, which defensive back for the Vikings was sitting there about to catch the ball for an interception in the end zone. Um, but J- Jerry Judy kind of sprints forward and at the last second, he punches the ball out and then he does the, does the incomplete <laughs> celebration and like, you know, holsters his sword or, or whatever it's that seatbelt, is. Yeah. You know, this, oh, this, oh, locked you up seatbelt. Okay. So got it. It's, I feel older every week. The seatbelt. Okay. Right. Um, but he said in the locker room after the game, he's like, I've tried to tell everybody DB was my first position. You know, that, that's what I play. I only play offense because I like the ball too much. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd also heard him. I also heard him tell Pat Sertan um, in, in the locker room earlier this week. I think Pat Sertan was like battling a cold or something. And, and, and Judy was joking around saying like, uh, Hey man, if, if you need me to, if you need me to play DB this week, I, I got you. And he says, unless, unless, um, Unless Jefferson plays, and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody which, wants that matchup. Nobody wants right. that. Which, of course, just, just Justin Jefferson uh, did not play, which means Vikings can uh, we can move past that storyline of um, they're only undefeated because Justin Jefferson right. wasn't in that game, slowing them down. Yeah. Um, so then the other the other Jerry Judy play they they down near the goal line or around the twenty they throw a nice little bubble screen to Judy out to the side and he takes off running with us about two yards down the line and pulls it up like he's going to do a double pass and throw it down the field and gets uh, the defensive back for the Viking to jump out of the way and he you know drags the other defender like eight yards down the field You're like all right man, man. Was, and he, he was really- like. He definitely he found himself hilarious right there. Like he was laughing it up pretty good after that. Well, he, he uh, you know, I said like <laughs> like somebody it was like, well, you you got you got the guy to got one of those two defenders to bite on the fake, and he's like, right. yeah, I don't know why I was three yards <laughs> past the line of scrimmage, but it was yeah, just hilarious. Like because yeah, this pass comes, the two defenders drop. Like he's like, I just in my head, I just see <laughs> Cortland Sutton white Cortland's wide open. You know, I'm not the quarterback. I'm not in a legal position, but. It, I think you know, I, the, the reason I think the defender bites, it's like, it's such a curveball that you're just <laughs> right. like, it, it's just throws you off of your normal right. like rhythm. It's not like a normal juke. It's like, he's pretending to throw the ball and, and in your mind, you don't know where like where he's throwing it. And you may, might not know what's on the side of the field. Maybe it can like look like it's a lateral that he's trying to throw right. or something like that. So you can kind of see why he, he might've bit on it a little bit, but that, that ended up getting them, you know, that first down, of course, they still don't turn that into a touchdown because oh. they picked four red zone field goals before finally converting um, yeah. on on that one. That was the drive where they converted the third and one on a quarterback sneak, but had uh, an illegal formation because they didn't, or the right tackle didn't report as eligible prior to the yeah left tackle pass, Garrett Bowles or left tackle Garrett Bowles didn't as he moved to the right side. Yeah. So, so anyway, the, the, the Broncos again, they're five and five. They, they've won four straight. Um, and, and look, we get to talk about the playoffs. I, I mean, that, I remember, you know, we're saying like, we, we're not going to talk about it until they actually, um, you know, get somewhere where, you know, they, 
um, where that where that's a reasonable discussion. It, it's a reasonable discussion now. They are five and five. Um, they are um, they're they're a, they're essentially a game out of the playoff picture. They're they're a game out of that sixth seed um, in the AFC. Um, which right now, if if the playoffs started today, let's see. Uh, Six and four down at the Steelers would kind of be the cutoff. The Steelers would be team number seven, right? So, because right. because obviously there's there's the four division winners, there's three wild cards, um, with with just the one seed getting a buy now. Um, yeah, they're they're a game behind that that Pittsburgh Steelers who are six and four would be in that seven spot um, right now. So that's that's what it is, and you know, two of the teams in front of Denver right now in that wild card race are the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Guess who the Broncos play in their next two games, Matt? Right. Starting off with a a fun one, a fun one against Cleveland next week and against Miles Garrett and the number one ranked defense in the league. Yeah. Um, And while Cleveland's offense was not spectacular today, their defense continued to show that they're not going anywhere down the stretch. This is going to be a competitive team and it's not going to be an easy game at all. No, it will not be an easy game because, you know, defense, they say defense travels, run game travels. The Broncos right now, um, for all the good things you can say about their defense, their ability to take the ball away, um, you know, their ability to come up with big stops in the red zone, um, whatever the case might be, they they are the league's worst run defense. Um, there, there's really no other way to put it. They And it's, you know, a lot of the things you look at with this defense and you say, well, take away the Miami game. You can take away the Miami game. <laughs> the Broncos are still the worst run defense in the league. Um, and, and they got gashed again tonight by a team in Minnesota that was averaging like 85 yards a game rushing and, and 3.5 yards a carry. And, and Minnesota had 85 yards rushing in the first half tonight. You mentioned at the top, the Broncos did do a much better job um, kind of late in this game. That that did help them turn it because the uh, the Vikings weren't getting those big chunks on, um, on first down. But uh, that is going to be a, a massive test, even without Nick Chubb. Um, you know, the, the, the Browns continue to run the ball. Well, that's, that's been sort of their MO for, for the last several years. Uh, and you mentioned it, Matt, that defense is phenomenal, like a truly elite defense. I was looking the other day, they have a three and out opponent, three and out percentage of like f- over 50%. I mean, that, that is, that is incredible on, on, um, you know, 50, more than half of opponents drives result in a three and out. Um, you, you just, you, it, it's, it's there. And this is a, a Broncos team that is certainly prone to, to having those, to having those lulls, to having those three and outs that, that really stall their momentum. So that'll be a significant test. But again, like the Broncos have put themselves in a position to play games that matter, um, you know, into December, like that, that that's what, that's where they're going to be. Um, the, the margin for error remains small. They, they still need to pick up um, as big as this win was from like just an overall win total tonight, doesn't do anything for you, you know, in, in that tiebreaker picture right now, the Broncos are kind of, uh, on the outside looking in, in terms of, um, kind of conference record, um, and, and some of the, some of the head to head, um, you know, they, they don't really, they, they don't really need to worry about head to head yet. They've beaten the bills, one of the teams ahead of them. Um, but, but when you talk about, yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, when you're battling some of these AFC teams, you will need those head to head wins. Um, you'll need more AFC conference victories as well. And the Broncos are certainly going to have 
a lot of those chances. But with seven games to go, again, we've said it, Matt, I think that line of demarcation is probably going to be 10 and seven because you're not winning your division. They have to get in as a wild card team. Um, could nine and eight get you a wild card in the AFC? Perhaps. Um, but but I think I think they have to sort of shoot for a 10 and seven mark, which means they need to go over these final um you know, final seven games, they got to go five and two. So, right. And they play, uh, they play the chargers twice, the Raiders, the Patriots, the lions, which is another really tough game. And then the Browns and Texans and those two Browns and Texan game head to head tiebreakers could be very important. It's certainly if you're nine and eight, you need to have beaten the Browns or Texans to be one of those teams out for that final. Round. So yeah. Those two games have a big asterisk next to them, a big, a big or a big importance on their back for sure. Yeah. And if you, if you, but if if you win those two games and then you finish nine and eight, that'll be a pretty disappointing, <laughs> disappointing end of the season because you've, yeah. you know, you just knocked off two of the toughest opponents left on your schedule. Uh, one of them on the road um, to that would put you at seven and five, um, which would mean you then finish two and three down the stretch. But again, I mean, there's all sorts of these machinations that are, that are possible. Um, but again, it's just cool. Like whatever, you know, again, none of it's, it hasn't been pretty, um, you know, th- they had a win against the Chiefs by by 15 points, but even that game was kind of wonky. It's it's not as if they've come out in any of these games and just like just dominated in every facet and are blown the doors off. And that's not we're probably you're not going to see that barring something weird that happens. Um, they're going to have to continue um, winning this way. I do wonder, though, if there are going to be some opportunities to to open it up with Wilson a little bit more. I, I think they're, they're so turnover adverse right now that it, it just seems like he's not wanting to like even risk any kind of throw early in games. Um, you saw there, there was a, their play on their, on their, their second drive, I believe the first time they went three and out in the first half um, after they'd gotten the field goal in the short field where Russell Wilson seems to have tight end Chris Adkins going up the seam on a third down play looked like he saw him didn't make the throw um you know th- th- there there was a couple other examples like this again it, it's it's sort of a little bit nitpicking because wilson did absolutely what was asked of him in this game by and large um but i just i just wonder you know you go and play a team like the texans that that is humming offensively um is prone to put up big points especially at home like you might not be able to get away with with playing this kind of, Oh, let's get some turnovers. Let's slow this game down. Like you might have to go and try to try to shoot it out. Um, so, yeah, and, and especially too, because one of the Broncos best weapons has been special teams returner Marvin Mims. And you look at a game like today, the, um, they did not kick the ball to Marvin Mims once every single punt went straight into the end zone. Every kickoff was straight into the end zone. It starts to kind of get into that Devin Hester mode where you just tell your punter, like, go kick it to him. They don't have a ton of weapons. You know, the one screen pass that Mims finally took and got some yardage on the first one of the season that gets called back for holding. So don't give the ball to Marvin Mims and space on special teams. And then suddenly, you know, you kind of want to see, um, you know, you want to see some of those other deep shots. You want to see some of those other big plays you might not be able to get on special teams because of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Like you're, you're going to have to find the chunks and there, there was a, there was the drive, like, I think it was their second drive that it uh, um, ended, or their 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 second field goal drive. But the the first one obviously came off that early turnover um, where they hit a couple deep shots. One to Jerry Judy, 
Um, won a great ball to Cortland Sutton down the left sideline um, where they got good protection on both plays. And, you know, again, that, that was, that was really the only time they moved the ball was when they were taking, you know, some of those shots, picking up a little bit of chunk play, um, you know, cause for the first like three drives, I said, you know, you, you never really know, know like the um, average air yards until like after the game. But I was like, my rough est- estimation after the first few drives was like, he, his attempts are averaging two and a half air yards per attempt. Like, that that's what it looked like, um, and, and I'll be interesting because this coming off a game in which the three point four air yards against the Bills was the lowest of his one hundred eighty one game career. So it's been again, it's been different, it's been conservative, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they hang around, they do enough, and and now they are five and five. Um, Matt, any any last thoughts? Any last? Um, it's it's just exciting to be getting into the end of November and playing games that matter. Yep, absolutely. So we will have, we will get one more episode in next early this week. We'll have an episode, um, you know, kind of before Thanksgiving um, looking at, looking a little bit more at this matchup with the Browns. And, um, and then we'll obviously be be back uh, after the game next Sunday night. Again, another one at home or next, next Sunday afternoon, another one at home. Um, against Cleveland, a huge game in the AFC playoff race. Um, Until then, thank you for listening uh, and uh, keep on subscribing. Leave us comments. Let us know what you think. Um, And until then, we'll catch you next time.